Hey guys, it's feeling very cozy, the side. Winter's here, Christmas is coming. So I wanted to share two stories with you today, uh, two articles that I came across that were pretty interesting, connected to Polish media. Let me see if I can add this. I'm gonna choose this layout. Okay, so I guess what's interesting in this article is that you've got Oren, Erlen, which is a company that produces like gas and oil and does refinery work. It's uh, state-owned in some capacity. They have actually bought Polska Press, uh, which was, or they, they haven't officially bought it. The deal is in the process of going through. Um, it needs to pass some antitrust um, checks before it's finalized, but it is quite an interesting potential deal in the future. So uh, yeah, let's look at this article. Um, something that uh, people may be wondering about is, uh, is it a good thing for uh, a Polish company to take over Polish media, media which is published in Poland? And I think the answer is definitely yes. Uh, is it better that Polish media is in the hands of Germans instead of Poles? So a uh, Poland state runs oil company by its leading media group, uh, PKN Erlen has bought Polska Press from its German owners. Critics have expressed concern over the government's successful takeover of private media. So like, again, the deal hasn't been done, so we don't actually know if this is going to end up being confirmed, but it's in the pipeline. So Poland state-run oil company, PKN Erlen, announced its purchase of the Polska Press media organization from its German owner on Monday. The Polska group includes 20 leading regional newspapers, 120 weekly magazines, and 500 online portals. So prior, prior to this potential deal, Germans are running this part of the media in Poland. The Polish state has a 27.5% stake in Ireland, and the government has repeatedly emphasized its ambitions to repolonize foreign-owned media companies. Now, this word repolonize, I don't think it's a very good word. They could have just used the word nationalized instead. Uh, I think that there may be some negative connotations with this word. I'm not sure. I need to ask my Polish friends about that. Uh, the sale of Polska Press by its current owners for Lugs Group Passau still needs to be authorized by antitrust authorities. State-run company gains access to 17.4 million users. So th that is a substantial amount of people that will potentially come under uh, the government's influence through the media. Now, of course, our libertarian friends are going to tell us, well, um, it should be in the hands of the free market. Well, it, it has been in the hands of the free market, and the free market has led Germans to own your media. So I think there is certainly a case for ownership that is not connected to foreigners. Uh, for example, your oil and gas industry, railway, your electricity supply, your media. Of course, uh, there, there should be some private media in the hands of Poles in Poland, but uh, should there be foreign media in Poland? Members of the ruling right-wing National Law and Justice Party piece welcomed the takeover by the state-run company. One lawmaker, Jan Mosinski, explained that the transfer of the media group from German to Polish ownership meant the end of regional readers being subjected to a narrative that was often inappropriate. It is good that now it will be possible to provide information on Poland and explain the directions of the government's activities, he added. Okay, so PKN Erlen CEO Daniel Obitek appointed the government, announced on Twitter that the transaction would give the company access to 17.4 million users of portals belonging to the Polska Press Group. This will allow us to effectively support sales and develop big data tools. These are key resources in the context of the planned retail network development. Alexander Dijkman, 
The managing partner responsible for the company's properties in Poland said in one of the group's German newspapers, the Passau Publishing Group has built up one of the largest media companies in Poland over the past two decades. So in the last 20 years, um, foreigners have been able to set up one of the largest uh, media companies, uh, conglomerates in Poland. Uh, is that justice? Is that fair? Is that good for the national interest of Poland? For strategic reasons, we have now decided to sell our Polish activity. So that's interesting. Uh, what, what are the reasons? I have no idea. I know that the media industry is certainly changing. Uh, people are beginning to get their news from big tech platforms like Facebook, Twitter, Telegram, uh, these sort of platforms are becoming uh, the replacements of the dinosaur media. Uh, press freedom in Poland under threat. Peace leader Jarosław Kaczynski restated the party's aim to nationalize foreign-owned press in the summer, saying the media in Poland should be Polish. Based. Absolutely, I agree with that sentiment. Uh, but opponents of Poland's ruling party blasted the media takeover and saw it as a further decline in Poland's democratic credentials. Uh, look at this claim, a uh, decline in democracy. So removing foreigners from media, media ownership, that's bad for democracy? How? Isn't democracy about the people who are citizens in the country and get to vote? This is a historic moment, and unfortunately it shows that the authorities decided to take steps similar to those that could be previously observed in Hungary under Viktor Orban, Poland's commissioner for citizens' rights, Adam Bodnar, said in an interview with Vertulna Polska Portal. In its 2020 report, the Press Freedom Global Media Watchdog Reports Without Borders said partisan discourse and hate speech, hate speech, are still the rule within Poland's state-owned media, which have been transformed into government propaganda mouthpieces. Yes. Yeah, so uh, this is a very interesting. Um, is there any reason to be uh, skeptical uh, about this potential transfer? There might be. Um, so I'm looking at Erlon here. And this is the breakdown of their shareholder structure. So it says uh, the state treasury of Poland has 27.52%. Then uh, there is actually a company from the Netherlands, which has uh, 7%, just over 7%. Uh, Santander, a bank, has... Uh, just over six percent and then this is interesting others 58.85 percent of the company is on the warsaw stock exchange so these are going to be private shareholders i think there's no way really to know who owns these shares probably the majority of them are polish so um probably uh, the transfer of this german owned conglomerate into polish hands is going to be good and uh, yes it's going to be much more democratic than having it in the hands of germans and, and anyone who makes that claim you should just simply point out to them that uh, polish people get to decide what poland is going to be like okay what's interesting about uh, this company uh, erlen is they are quite expansionist so they are expanding into other countries themselves so they, they do seem to be uh, quite aggressive in their investments uh, yeah, I know that they've bought some petrol stations, for example, in Germany. I believe there's something like over 400 petrol stations that uh, they've come to own. And they've recently opened one, I believe, in Slovakia, their first one. And they, they have bought into other companies. So um, I, I'm sure they're trying to make their shareholders happy. Okay, so uh, let's move on and we'll chat about uh, this man here. Here's a, uh, let, me, let me just add the next story. Oh, I, I didn't change the slides. Just, by, just let me show you the slide. Yeah, so uh, this is the investment portfolio. So as you can see, uh, State Treasury, 2027, 20, uh, a company from the Netherlands, 7%. So again, like uh, in some ways, uh, you've got, um, yeah, close to, 
close to 14% foreign ownership in this Polish company. So again, like, is there some foreign influence? Um, yes, there is. And again, also uh, out of that 58% of people who have shares in the company, we don't actually know who they are. We, we assume most of them are Polish, but um, do we really know? Um, is there a way to find out? So just let me let me add the next one. I'll be chatting about Norman Davies. It's an interesting read here. Okay, so um, if anyone doesn't know uh, Professor Norman Davies, uh, he's a great historian. He's written some great works. He's been very prolific throughout his life. Um, Uh, his, his, his book, uh, The Heart of Poland, it's uh, two volumes, and it's really the definitive work of Polish history um, written in English. So, uh, by the way, I was uh, very fortunate to actually have met Norman Davies myself. I've got uh, one book signed by him, so um, he really seems like a humble man, but very knowledgeable, and he's definitely contributed greatly to the field of history, so uh, I greatly respect uh, Norman Davies. Okay, so uh, this is from the Poland.com website, and it says a British historian unveils how anti-Polish Holocaust narrative was initiated. I believe uh, two years ago, Norman Davies actually released his autobiography. So um, I, haven't read, I haven't read his autobiography, but I'm sure it's quite interesting. Um, he was a child during uh, the World War, and I remember <laughs> relating one story how uh, during um, the war, there was so little food that they had to ration food. And he, he mentions how uh, his mother had to uh, cut a boiled egg into uh, sections to divide it between the family because there just wasn't e enough sustenance. Okay, let's get into this. So uh, Norman Davies describes in his autobiographical how Israeli historian was instructing British scholars to classify Poles as bystanders during the Holocaust. So that's interesting. Um, you've got an Israeli historian instructing British scholars about how they should understand history. Very interesting. Why would it be this way? 80-year-old historian Norman Davies described his recent release 800-page autobiography the way Professor Yehuda Bauer was teaching young British historians how to deal with the Holocaust. So we've got Yehuda Bauer teaching British historians how to deal with the Holocaust. Could you imagine if there were Bavarian historians uh, in Tel Aviv, for example, telling historians there how they should understand Dresden, the, the firestorm of Dresden? In 1974, Professor Bawa met with other 30 historians in Israeli embassy in London, instructing them that, them that the triad perpetrator victim bystanders should be used to describe people involved in the Holocaust. The term bystanders was received for the Poles. And he mentioned that the Polish nationals were also victims during World War II was denied. Interesting. So um, this, this guy, Yehuda Bawa, is basically um, creating a meme, uh, certain parameters in which people can express themselves. Interesting. Controlling people's vocabulary. Uh, which work of fiction is that from? It was a closed meeting for professional historians. Yehuda Bauer, an Israeli historian, was the top speaker. It was supposed to be a workshop on how to teach about the Holocaust. Wow, so interesting. Um, they also have particular workshops on how to teach about uh, the Holocaust. And not, not, not Jews or uh, people in Israel, but uh, Gentiles. Gentiles should be taught how they should teach on the subject. Interesting. The beginning of the large action to promote knowledge about the Holocaust in the world, the scheme presented by Professor Bauer was clear. There were perpetrators, Nazis, not Germans, victims, only the Jews, and bystanders, Poles. Professor Davies told uh, this Gazeta Prava daily in the interview published on Monday. Professor Davies said that the Poles were presented as bystanders and no mention of Polish victims and suffering was allowed. The supposed result of this meeting was to show that Poland was historically and uh, the center of anti-Semitism and describing Poles as anti-Semites was justifiable. Here, um, Davies is describing um, 
how it's treated. I was shouted down. I heard sit down and polonophile, telling other professors to sit down at a meeting about history, especially uh, one, one as noble as Norman, Norman Davies. According to Professor Davies, Poland was inscribed in the scheme in the role as bystander, and in the 1970s and 80s, it became a dominant narrative. So this is interesting, creating actual narratives. Unfortunately, the scheme was adopted in the West, not just in universities, but as common knowledge, and it dominates in the World War II narrative, said Norman Davies. That's interesting. So uh, people are creating narratives about what we should believe about history instead of promoting the inquiry into history. Interesting. The Oxford-based historian also described how he was denied a professorship at Stanford University in unclear circumstances after being compelled, after completing a selection procedure, after completing all the formalities, he was contracted by the university's official and told that he would not get the job. After a few weeks, I've been told that the case has to do with Jewish questions, namely with my writing about Polish-Jewish relations, said Mr. Davies. Now, th this is fascinating. So uh, a, a great historian goes to a university for an interview, uh, Stanford University, um, a great university in America, and he doesn't get the job, and then he gets told that it had to do with his views about a Polish and Jewish relations. Fascinating. It just goes on to say here, Norman Davies, born in 1939 in Bolton, is the author of several books about European and Polish history. I know um, Norman Davies wrote a really thick tome on the history of Europe. Um, I plan to read it hopefully in the future sometime. Um, so yeah, uh, like I was saying, the best known of them is God's Playground. It was released in 1981. So if anyone's interested in Polish history and um, they can't read Polish yet, I recommend they check out God's Playground by Norman Davies. Um, it's, it's a great book. Yes, uh, today I was supposed to have a stream with other guys from um, our first South African podcast, and it didn't come to pass. Uh, one of the guys, Tor, he was actually ill. So hopefully next Saturday, we're going to be able to have our first stream. And I'm also going to have a Christmas party. So um, you guys are all invited to join me for the Christmas party. Fantastic, guys. Um, it was nice chatting with you, and I hope you enjoyed those two stories. I think uh, they are quite important stories. So one, uh, the press freedom in Poland. Uh, can Poland have its own press uh, without interference of foreigners? That's a very important question. And uh, the second one, history. Uh, <clears throat> uh, can Poles inquire about history freely and try to understand it without being force-fed a narrative by a certain group of people? Um, so again, the, these are certainly important things to consider. So get cozy. Get cozy.